0: It is the day of the NBA draft, so we're going to talk about what we think the Pacers are going to do tonight. No report. I just checked Woj's feed on Twitter. Nothing new to report. Just checked Shams' uh, Twitter feed. No news yet. We'll see what happens. I got an idea what's going to happen. I'll tell you what that is in a few minutes. First, I want to talk about the Indianapolis Colts and how young they are. Really, really young roster. A lot of guys in their prime. Not too many guys aging out of their prime yet, but that day's coming. This is Inside Indiana Sports Now for Thursday, June 23rd, 2022. Brought to you by the great people of Johnson's Plumbing. Jared Johnson's a genius. He takes your plumbing problem, and he turns it into a plumbing solution. All you have to do is call him 765-610-8809, punch that subscribe button, Smash the like button, ring the bell. Let's go, let's talk about sports. All right, and if you got a question of an urgent nature, feel free to donate. I see the question immediately, and off we go. I will answer it. All right, let's talk about the Colts, the roster, and how it's constructed in terms of age. Young and good wins in the NFL, old and good can win too. All right, you got a little age in there, there's nothing wrong with a little age in there, but youth is generally well-served in the NFL. And if you need any kind of evidence to that end, that side of the argument, look at the Cincinnati Bengals. Look at the Los Angeles Rams. They are still on the young side, despite the fact that Matthew Stafford and Aaron Donald are kind of aging, but aging really, really gracefully. All right, Jonathan Taylor right now. Here are the guys who are 25 or younger. We'll do it that way on the Colts roster, Jonathan Taylor, Michael Pittman, Naheem Hines, Kylan Granson, and don't sleep on Kylan Granson. I know, I mentioned Kylan Granson, you think, who? Did we see him last year? How many snaps he get? How many catches he get? You know, this they didn't draft two tight ends. They didn't draft Ogletree and Woods because Granson is going to be the answer to all their prayers at tight end, that he's going to be the next Kyle Pitts. Don't sleep on Granson. I'm telling you that Matt Ryan targeted him a gob in minicamp, and I'm. If you want to stash a guy, if you have the ability to stash guys on your fantasy team, Colin Granson might be a guy to stash. Anyway, uh, Granson, 24. Paris Campbell. If you want a reason to believe that Paris Campbell is going to come out of this injury thing on the other end, it's that he is still young. He is 24. He's going to turn uh, 24 in July. Still a really, really young guy. Alec Pierce is 22. Giani Woods is 23. He's going to be uh, 23 in October anyway. This is a really young group at the weapon area. Then you look at the offensive line, and they're all in their primes. They're all between 26 and 29. All of the starters. Ryan Kelly's the old man of the bunch at 29. You got three at twenty-six, one at twenty-seven. And the one at twenty-seven is Matt Pryor. So those three other guys, you know, you you got uh you got Braden Smith, you got uh, Nelson, Quentin Nelson, and you've got Danny Pitter. All those guys are twenty-six years old. On the defensive side of the ball, under twenty-fivers, a lot of the secondary, which is good because you gotta be fast in the secondary. So Isaiah Rogers, Julian Blackman, Nick Cross, all under twenty-five. In fact, all of those guys are uh, easily under 25. Quitty Pei, Daya Odangbo, those guys are going to be 23 and 22 this coming season. That's a young group. The old guys on the roster, the guys over the age of 30, Matt Ryan, obviously. Stephon Gilmore, obviously. Rodney McLeod. Luke Rhodes, the long snapper. But long snappers can play until they're like 70. They don't need to be young. Youth is not well-served as a long snapper. You can do that forever and ever and ever. Um, Nick Foles is 33. Not a starter, but he's still getting up there in age. Those five guys are the only guys over 30. The defense, other than that, they are all in their prime. You look at Buckner, Stewart, Leonard, O'Karake, and Gakwe. They're all between 26 and 29, just like the entirety of the offensive line. This is is a really good Colts team where the majority of the players are in their prime or are coming into their prime. The only guy who may be kind of coming out of his prime is Stephon Gilmore, and we don't know that yet. He's only three years removed from being the defensive player of the year in the NFL. So Stephon Gilmore, last year, once he got healthy, is a Pro Bowl-level player at cornerback. We'll see what happens. I think the Colts look really good as an AFC South favorite. Saw that on ESPN today. A lot of people still picking the Titans. I don't blame them. Until they lose it, they're the champs, right? You know it's not going to be the Jaguars, and it's really not going to be the Texans. Jaguars are going to be better, though. I think the division this year belongs to the Colts as long as they get off to a good start. We are going to know within the first two games whether the Colts are going to be AFC champions or... Whether this is going to be a really disappointing season and all of a sudden some nastiness is going to get churned up in terms of how Jim Ursa, look, there's one guy, there's one Colts fan that really his opinion matters, and that's Jim Ursay. So whether Frank Reich winds up on a hot seat, whether uh, Chris Ballard's on a hot seat, and he won't be, that's, he's built a really, really functional front office. I don't think he's a candidate. For blame if this thing goes awry, but Frank Reich, his candidacy for blame, pretty strong. If things don't go real well, this is going to be his fifth year, and you kind of know what you got after five years. And if after five years you've got one playoff victory, and it came in his first playoff game back in 2018, not so good. And and you got to figure out where kind of the the weak link in the chain is. And if it doesn't go well this year, you got to start to look at Frank Reich as the weak link in the chain. Hopefully that doesn't happen. Hopefully they open the season 7-0 and against AFC opponents, right? Five of them against AFC South opponents. The first two games are in Houston and Jacksonville. you got to win those two games. You must start 2-0. and You can't sandbag like they do. And say, well, we're going to get it's an 18 week season, so we're going to kind of, you know, move into it gently, and then we're going to try to peak at the right time. No, you got to peak on September 11th and September 18th, or this cockamamie thing is going to go straight down the crapper. And you can't have that. Let's talk about the NBA draft. The NBA draft will be held tonight. The Pacers pick for the first time, they are scheduled to pick in the top 10 in more than thir- or in single digits that Paul George was the 10th overall pick but in single digits going back to the 1980s it's been a while so we have reason to be excited according to Adrian Wojnarowski and he's the guy where all this is concerned you have the top 3 kind of in ink at the top of the draft you have uh you have Jabari Smith you have Chet Holmgren and you'll Apollo Bancaro. All right. If that winds up being the top three, then things get really interesting at four. As you believe, although some people are saying that Keegan Murray is going to be the fourth pick and, and will go to the Sacramento Kings, some, a lot, are saying it's going to be uh, Jaden Ivey. If it's Jaden Ivey, what the Pacers need to do is find out what the price is to move into that fourth pick and pay that price. And the problem with that, as we discussed this morning, is you're likely bidding against the New York Knicks. And when you're bidding against James Dolan, you, you can't. It's kind of like in the NFL, you're going up against the Browns because they've got a wingnut owner, right? And if you're dealing with a wingnut owner, you have no idea what the market is. There's no sanity to the market. And if if Dolan decides that you got to go get number four from the Kings, and he'll do anything to get it. That really puts the Pacers in a bind because Kevin Pritchard doesn't want to give up everything to go get number four in Jaden Ivey. Jaden Ivey is not that sure a thing at number four. Now, if they take Murray at four, then you got the Pistons, and then Pritchard's got a decision to make. Because if he he believes the Pistons are going to take Jaden Ivey at number five, does he pull a Chicago Bears transaction where you move up one slot like the Bears did with Mitch Trubisky? Right? Made that deal, idiotic deal, with 49ers to move up one slot. They already had Garoppolo. What, they're going to then draft Trubisky? It was idiotic. It was moronic. It just didn't make any sense whatsoever. However, you've got that decision to make. And if the Pistons covet Ivy, they're not going to give up that pick for anything. If they would rather have Ivy than, let's say, Shaden Sharp or A.J. Griffin or, or somebody who might who would be available immediately thereafter. That's why this thing's kind of interesting. And so as you look at if things go, run to oil and everybody holds onto their picks and it's not fathomable that's going to happen, but we talk about it anyway. At number six, here are the guys you're going to have available, right? I don't want to forget any. Dyson Daniels. Dyson Daniels is a really interesting guy. He is mature in the brain. He is long. He's a pretty good candidate to be a 3 and D dude. All right, you got Halliburton. If you open the season with, like, Duarte and Daniels at the wing, you are young, you are dynamic, you can switch everywhere. That's a pretty good backcourt. Shaden Sharp, another guy. High ceiling, as we've discussed all week. Great athlete, long, really, really good, potentially. Also, a guy you wonder how much he loves basketball so he could be really, really bad. One of the ways to judge, and this is why I wanted the Pacers to take Jalen Brunson instead of uh, Aaron Holiday. Because you know with Jalen Brunson that he is going to work his ass off and he's going to try to find a way to be the best player that he can be. And you don't know that with other guys. I didn't know it with Holiday. I really don't know it with Sharp. Right? It, it's not what these guys are today. That's not what's being drafted What's being drafted is what are they going to be like in four years? That's the way you've got to like project, and it's not just measurables, and it's not just ability to shoot, because if it was, Shaden Sharp is your guy. You have to say, okay, who wants to work for it? Who wants to go you know, all in behind their talent and honing their talent and building their talent to be the best player they can be in 2026, 2027? Who's that guy? Back in the draft where the Pacers took Aaron Holiday, it was Jalen Brunson. In this draft, is it Shaden Sharp? I think it's Jaden Ivey. That's why I'm really bullish on Jaden Ivey. His mom played for the Fever. She was a really, really good college basketball player. Now she's the head coach at Notre Dame. This is somebody who comes from a family that knows what it takes And that's why I really like Jaden Ivey. And then there's also the, you know, Dwayne Wade length. There's the explosiveness. He is scary fast. I think he's the the unicorn of the draft with all deference to uh, Chet Holmgren. Like, actually, you know what? This sounds like an old head, and maybe I am an old head. But at some point, you got to look at guys and say, does he fit, you know, kind of the jersey? Chet Holmgren looks terrible in a suit. How's he gonna look in a jersey? They say he's an exceptional ball handler. I don't think so. Against NBA defenders. Maybe against Santa Clara. Maybe against St. Mary's, he's uh, an exceptional ball handler. But if he was in the SEC, how many times would his pocket have been picked? And if he's worthy of uh, the like a number one overall draft pick type grade or a number two draft pick type grade how come he only scored 14 points oh he can finish around the rim he can shoot threes how come he scored 14 points for a team that was supposedly a national championship contender why if he's that good and the guy they keep comparing him to is tristops porzingis what all right at any rate, we'll find out what happens tonight. I can't wait to see what the Pacers do. I can't wait to talk to Kevin Pritchard or Chad Buchanan, somebody, about what they have done, because it's always interesting to hear Kevin's spin on, on what they've done and see if it kind of passes muster. I, I enjoy that. Arch Manning is going to go to Texas. You know what? Surprise, surprise, surprise. It is a surprise, although who's got deeper pockets than the Texas Longhorns in terms of NIL? And while the Manning family needs more money, like uh, I need another koi pond, you know what? Money at Texas is going to be flowing to Arch Manning, and he's going to be the starting quarterback if, th- if he remains healthy in 2025 when the Longhorns are scheduled to join the SEC. So that makes that interesting. Uh, the IHSAA, they've approved something that I – good heavens – Yeah, they kind of trumpet this as a big change of the state basketball tournament. I don't believe that it is. The number of games is the same. They're just shifting one from the regional to the semi-state. So the regional is going to be a one-game regional now instead of a two-game regional with a semifinal and a final. The semi-state is going to move from a one-game event to a two-game event. So it's like the regional final is going to be played the morning session of the semi-state instead of the night session of the regional. Yeah, this is such a bureaucratic thing to do, right? And I love the IHSA and I love the basketball tournament. I'm not, like, still pining for the one-class days. I'm not. But it's the same number of games. You're just shifting one. Now, they are going to have another draw after the regionals to reseed the, uh, the you know, that what would be the regional final round and is now going to be the morning session of the semi state so, they're going to redraw to figure out who to re bracket those teams. Okay. Is that, you know, is that going to set the world on fire? No. It's such a, um, you know, there's no there there. It is what it is. The IHS sort of trumpeting this is a big change. It's not. They're just, what this is going to do, it's going to double the number of regional champions. So, basketball coaches, basketball schools, are going to be able to say, we're regional champs, when in previous years, they would have simply qualified for the regional finals. People love to hang banners and to trumpet their own, I'm a regional champ. Hooray! Is this really what we're all about? Fake, fake accomplishment? I can't believe that, but that's where we are. It doesn't really matter. Does it make it less? No. Does it make it more for some, sure, why the hell not? We will talk to you later tonight, live from uh, Gainbridge Fieldhouse, the St. Vincent Center near Gainbridge Fieldhouse. As that's being renovated. Can't wait to do that. We'll figure out what the Pacers did. I think they're going to go ahead and get Ivy because they've got to get him. You need a star, he's that star.